for the Emancipation of Black People from Imperialism, a report to the Second World Congress of the League Against Imperialism at Frankfurt, Germany, in July 1929. Abridged. By James W. Ford. 1. General Statement The so-called black problem has seldom been stated from the class point of view. We are in the period of the decline and decay of capitalism. Capitalism and imperialism are undergoing rapid change because of this decline. Everywhere, the standards of living of the workers and peasants are being pushed down. Millions of workers throughout the world are thrown out of employment by the capitalist system. In the shops and factories, on the farms, workers and poor farmers are being forced to work at an increased speed. This is done in order that the capitalist may take greater profits at the expense of the workers. The period of the decline of capitalism is of great significance to the working class and oppressed people, and is of very great importance to the black people in the various parts of the world. The future history of black people in this struggle for liberation, for political, social, and economic advancement depends on how we estimate the present period of imperialism, the concrete organizational tasks that we lay down in order to bring about this liberation. We must mobilize our forces for joint struggle with the world proletariat in the international struggle against imperialism. We have already seen the great struggles of the Chinese workers and peasants. We see rising waves of revolt and struggle in India and in China. We are witnessing great waves of revolt of the working class in the homelands of imperialism. Imperialism and the Black People For our purpose, in dealing with the special question of the black people, Imperialism is the stage of capitalism when the whole world has been divided among a few great capitalist powers, especially when the territory of Africa has been completely divided between them, and where there has developed among the black people of America sharp class lines. The War Awakens Black People During the Imperialist War of 1914 through 18, hundreds of thousands of black people from all parts of the world were brought into direct contact with the customs and culture of the so-called white Western civilization. Millions of black people were brought from the agricultural and peasant regions of the southern part of the USA into the industries of the North. This developed a huge black industrial proletariat. At the same time, capitalism has carried industrial development into Africa, and there, produced especially in South Africa, a big native proletariat. Already, the period since the World War has brought about class consciousness, revolt, and resistance of black toilers against imperialism. But in order to understand the present period of the black people's struggle, it is necessary for us to review briefly the older periods of exploitation and oppression of black people by the capitalists. Policy of Imperialism the economic and political enslavement of the black peoples has extended over a period of 300 years and may be divided into three stages. 1. The Classical Period The period of merchant capitalism, which was the period of snatching of slaves from Africa, marked the birth of the notorious African slave trade. 
This was the time when the Portuguese, the Dutch, and the British capitalists were at the high tide of their business of stealing slaves from Africa. It has been said that over 100 million black people were torn from Africa during the course of these 300 years. Great fortunes were made on the slave traffic. Profits ranged from 100% to 150% on the sale of slaves. The average price of slaves were, in 1840, $325, in 1850, $360, in 1860, $500. It was on the basis of slave traffic profits, including the Rape of India, that England was able to lay the basis of the British Empire. Also, great fortunes were made by the slave dealers in America. Thus, it is clearly seen that capitalist exploitation for profits was the basis for the beginning of the enslavement of the black people. 2. The Second Period The period of industrial capitalism was the beginning of the territorial division of Africa and the exploitation of its natural resources and the labor power of the natives in Africa. Because the slave traffic became less profitable for the capitalists, this period marked the beginning of the doing away with the legal slave traffic. It was during this period that the natural resources of Africa helped to build up the great manufacturing enterprises in England. In America, the doing away with the slave traffic was replaced by the intense plantation exploitation of the black slaves. The profits made on the plantation exploitation of the black slave laid the basis for the present wealth of American imperialism. Thus, the stopping of the slave traffic did not stop the profit-making of the capitalists. It merely increased their profit-making. 3. The Third Stage And this is the period that we are most concerned with, is the period of imperialism. This period marks the completion of the division of Africa by the main capitalist powers and marks the complete enslavement of its people. This period is also the period when the main capitalist powers are organized to fight each other for the redivision of Africa. It is a period also when the workers are being speeded up and exploited at a greater rate by the capitalists in order to make more profits. Hundreds of thousands and millions of black toilers are being thrown out of work. But at the same time, the black toilers everywhere are struggling against this extreme exploitation and oppression. Widespread revolt is spreading among black toilers in different parts of the world. The Modern Policy of Imperialism What is the policy of imperialism? Imperialism is holding the African colonies as countrysides for agricultural development. All the imperialists are hindering the industrial development of the country to this end. They are therefore carrying on a policy which perpetually hinders the advancement of the toiling masses. They actually exterminate the people by the thousands, killing the populations and destroying whole towns. Africa is a leading source of raw materials, a market center for extra capital investment. The markets and raw materials are becoming short. This is the main reason for the jealousy and rivalry between the various capitalist countries and is leading them to war. The Native Workers of South Africa The great majority of the South African population is black. 
There are about five and one half millions of native black people and colored, and about one and a half millions of whites. The black people are the majority of the working class. There are 467,013, or about 70% black and colored workers, and about 167,073, or 23% white workers. In mining, there are over 300,000 black people to about 40,000 whites. In transportation, there are 40,000 black people and 66,000 whites. In the general production industries, there are 120,000 black people and 71,000 whites. In the Belgian Congo in 1919, in the gold, copper, and diamond mines, there were 31,000 native workers. In 1926, there were 61,000. In the Union of Katagu, there were 16,448 native workers. Agricultural Workers in South Africa, the native and colored population may be divided as follows. 1. Natives on their own tribal lands, reserves, 51%. 2. Natives on European-owned lands, 34%. 3. Native workers in mines and cities, 14%. The agricultural output has gradually increased in South Africa. The export in 1910 was 9,500,000 pounds. In 1927, it was 22 million pounds. The number of dairy factories increased from 59 to 124 during the period of 1915 through 25. In Sierra Leone, Nigeria, and the whole west coast of Africa, there are vast agricultural developments. The same is true of the Belgian Congo. In South Africa, the native reserves form only one-eighth of the total land of the Union, and natives are not allowed to buy land outside of the reserves. Certain lands that were to be turned back to the natives are being given the white settlers, for example, large sections suitable for cotton growing in northern Transvaal. The existing reserves are totally insufficient for the natives. A large number of natives are compelled for this reason, and also because of taxation and the pressure of the native chiefs, who act as agents for the government, to go out and work in the white lands. One-third of the native adult male population is all the time away at work in the towns or on the farms. West Indies The West Indies are typically agricultural islands. The West Indian islands are under the iron hand of the imperialists. Haiti is under the iron heel of the American Marines of the National City Bank of Wall Street. The independence of Haiti gained during the Haitian Revolution, when French domination was overthrown, has been completely nullified by the U.S. Marines. The people have been garroted and are being ruled by the American imperialists. The country, in spite of its natural writtenness, is in poverty, the like of which has not been seen since the days before the Haitian Revolution. In Trinidad, the natives are ruled by the iron hand of British imperialism. The workers are suppressed by the troops of the British Empire stationed there. In Guadalupe, the same thing is true. Here, French imperialism keeps the workers and peasants down to the level of slaves. 
Here we find some kind of community improvement restored to. Natives at the point of bayonets of U.S. Marines, Haiti, are forced to build roads without pay. Black people in Haiti and Jamaica are conscripted for work on the sugar plantations of Cuba. They are taken to Cuba and forced to work for wages lower than the Cuban workers, and racial frictions are engendered between the imported natives and the workers of Cuba. Tactics in the Struggle Against Imperialism The struggle for liberation is found only through organization. Organization along class lines for class struggle. Our struggle is bound up with the struggle of the international proletariat, and we must line up in the international revolutionary class struggle the world over, by organizing our forces for joint struggle. It is necessary to follow a trade union program. This program must be used on the following demands. Equal pay for equal work. An eight-hour day. Against forced labor. For protective labor legislation, protection for women and youth workers, freedom of trade unions, against class cooperation, against racial barriers in trade unions, organization of black workers into revolutionary trade unions, against white terrorism and lynchings, organization of defense corps, better housing and social conditions, organization of agricultural workers, against the confiscation of peasant and communal lands, against poll tax and hut tax, for equal civil rights. Liberation Movements The liberation movements of black peoples take different forms in different countries. The main thing is that they must be initiated by the toiling masses of workers and peasants. The demands of the great bulk of the population must be the center of action. No liberation movement of black people can be helpful for the black masses unless the masses are the driving force. Liberation movements cannot play a decisive role in the liberation of the black people representing partial middle class demands of the petty bourgeoisie and intellectuals. If the petty bourgeoisie and the intellectuals want to serve the masses, they must be the servants of the masses, and the masses must see that they are their servants. The program of liberation movements must also offer the masses real assistance in their desperate needs and conditions. For this, it is necessary to have a program. A program. Here we cannot outline any detailed program suitable for every country alike. Each country must work out a program on the basis of its local conditions. We can only point out a general direction. A. The Land Question. 1. Demand the return to black people of land formerly held by them. 2. The abolition of all taxes on land, poll, and hut taxes. 3. Demand support for agriculture such as seed, implements, stock, etc. 4. Repeal of land acts. 5. The establishment of agricultural organizations for poor peasants and the formation of farm laborers' unions. B. Civil Rights 1. Freedom of speech, assembly, press, etc. 2. Abolition of pass laws. 3. Evacuation of imperialist soldiers from the lands of black people. 4. Abolition of peonage. 5. Abolition of Jim Crow laws and segregation. 6. 
universal suffrage. 7. Abolition of caste systems and racial divisions. C. Taxation. The abolition of all forms of taxation that enslave and place great burden of debts upon the backs of the working population, including loans, custom regulations, in the hands of the imperialists, and the weighing down of the people with great revenue taxes. D. Education. 1. The elimination of illiteracy, the establishment of free universal education. E. Social conditions. 1. The elimination of ghetto life and conditions, black belts and residential segregation. 2. The elimination of congestion that is detrimental to health. 3. Proper hospitalization for children and especially for expectant mothers, free hospitals and free dispensaries. F. Labor conditions. 1. Establishment of labor inspection laws. 2. Abolition of child labor. 3. Establishment of full trade union rights. Ultimate aims of these tactics. These programs, the trade union and the liberation, are very closely connected with the struggle for self-determination for native republics, for separation from imperialism and capitalism, and as such are direct blows at the very heart of imperialism, at the very heart of exploitation and oppression. Independence, self-rule, and self-determination in South Africa. The native population of South Africa has no political rights. The power of the state is in control of the white ruling class, which has armed forces at its disposal. The Boers were defeated by the forces of the British imperialists at the close of the last century. But now, as the development of capitalism goes on in South Africa, the interests of the different South African white capitalist groups as well as the British imperialist groups become more blended, all forming together for the exploitation of the native population. At the same time, the white capitalists corrupt and bribe certain black leaders and convert them into reformist agents against the interests of the great masses of the working population. This unity of white capitalists ruling class with the black leaders makes it necessary for the white and black proletariat and the landless native peasantry to unite for a struggle against the white capitalists and the black fakers. South Africa is a black country. The majority of the population is black, and so is the majority of workers and peasants. The basis of the South African question is the black peasantry whose land has been taken away from them by the white ruling class. In South Africa, therefore, we put forward and struggle for a native South African Republic based on the workers and peasants with safeguards and full rights for all national minorities. West Africa There must be complete and unconditional independence of the colonies of West Africa, Sierra Leone, Gold Coast, Gambia, and Nigeria. Liberia Liberia must have her complete independence and the immediate withdrawal of American imperialist agents from the territory. Belgian Congo The independence of the Belgian Congo and French Equatorial Africa. Abyssinia 
the unqualified independence of Abyssinia, the abrogation of all treaties that provide for the division of Abyssinia. Haiti. Haiti must have her unconditional sovereignty and independence. All debts must be canceled, all customs restored, and the abrogation of all treaties that are directed towards the political and economic enslavement of Haiti. Jamaica. Jamaica must have her unconditional independence and complete separation from the British Empire. Central American countries. For all the Central and South American countries where there are black people, we demand the full and complete political, economic, and social equality for black people. East Africa. For all the colonies of East Africa, we struggle for and demand 1. The evacuation of the colonies by the British. 2. The return of stolen property. Black people and the war danger. Approximately 70 million workers and peasants of all races, nationalities, and countries, deluded by the lying press and propaganda of the imperialists, and betrayed by the reformists, social democrats, and pacifists, were dragged into the imperialist war of 1914 through 1918. Over 10 millions were killed, and 29 millions returned home crippled and diseased in body and mind. What for? For imperialist plunder, rapine, and pillage. 1. Black people and the late war. Particularly significant is the number of black toilers drawn from factories and farms who participated in this war. In America alone, 2 million black people were registered for military service, 200,000 saw active service on the battlefields of France either as combatant troops or labor stevedores, and thousands of them were killed or maimed. Regardless of these sacrifices brought by the black workers to the altar of imperialism, the American imperialists continued to carry on racial prejudices even against black troops in France to say nothing of their practices of lynching and segregation at home. Thirteen black soldiers of the American army were hanged and 26 were sentenced to prison for long periods of protesting and organizing a revolt against the abuses of mobs on the persons of black women in the southern part of the USA. Legalized lynchings were carried out in France, and the beastly sport of taking moving pictures of these hangings to be shown in the United States were conducted by the imperialist agents. At the close of the war, lynchings of black people in USA immediately increased. Black soldiers were lynched in the South for wearing the uniform of the U.S. Army. Fearful of the growing unrest among the workers in general, growing out of the awakening class consciousness of the working class as a result of experiences of war, race riots between black and white workers causing the loss of many lives partly to offset the growing class consciousness and militancy of the workers against the imperialists were instigated in several of the large industrial centers of America by imperialist agents. In these riots, the militia forces were used against black people. These are only preludes to the pogroms that will be resorted to against the proletariat and toiling black people whenever, in an extreme crisis, the workers threaten the American bourgeoisie.
black people of the French colonies supplied six regiments of tens of thousands of troops for France's army. Over 30,000 lost their lives in the horrible slaughter. These black troops were France's shock troops. They walked into the mouth of death unflinchingly. Many thousands died from cold, being unaccustomed to the northern European winters. Following the war, native troops who fought and died on equal terms with white troops were allowed only one half of the meager pension granted white troops. The yoke of enslavement, as is well known, has been tightened around the necks of the natives of the French colonies since the war. French imperialist colonial policy is decimating the population of equatorial Africa. Already, the construction of the first 140 kilometers of the Ocean Congo Railway, which is being constructed in haste to transport native troops for the next war, has cost the lives of 17,000 natives. 1,000 black people have been shot by the Société Forestière, Forest Company. In one section, the population has been reduced from 1,150,000 to 300,000. In other sections, because of intense exploitation, between 4,000 and 5,000 deaths have occurred for every 200,000 inhabitants. Goaded to death by these intolerable conditions, the natives rose in revolt in November 1928. This revolt was crushed in the blood of the natives. All of this and more has occurred in the French colonies since the last imperialist war in which the native troops served as cannon fodder for French imperialism. Thus, French imperialist colonial policy is exposed to the black people of the world who have viewed France as free, liberty-loving, and democratic. Remove this fake cloak of bourgeois justice and liberty, and you see bloodthirsty, cruel, imperialist France stand forth. The British Empire has been built on the blood of colonial troops. The natives of Africa bled their share in the imperialist war of 1914-18. through 18. English imperialism has been very subtle in using black and colonial troops to pull her chestnuts out of the fire and to police the world for her. Black troops fought with Allenby in the Egyptian campaign and in Palestine. Her activities are well known in the use of African workers for her imperialist war, as well as the use of black troops in her counter-revolutionary efforts against the Red Army of the Soviet Union. For all of this, British imperialism is, at present, systematically, carefully, and cruelly pushing forward her program of exploitation and oppression of black people from the West Indies to South Africa. 2. Preparing black people for the next war. Notwithstanding all this, all these imperialist nations are pushing on their campaigns to prepare their black armies for the next war. Already, imperialist agents are spreading scientific propaganda to the effect that black troops are 80% more immune from poisonous gas than white troops, and therefore, France must counteract the highly developed chemical industry of Germany by creating a huge black army. Already, America is training black people in her military camps. France's black army is world-renowned. England, on the eve of battle, will conscript her black army. Fearful of class-conscious proletarians in their armies, and because of the dearth of white peasants to conscript, 
The imperialists, believing the black people backward, docile, and less liable to the influence of revolutionary propaganda than white troops, intend to use large numbers of black troops in their armies as cannon fodder and, in case revolution breaks out amongst white troops at the front end, white workers at the rear, to use black troops to crush the revolutionary movement. Even now, black troops are being used to suppress the struggles of workers in France. England has plans to send black troops into China to suppress the Chinese revolution. America uses black troops in Mexico. And finally, they are planning to lead hordes of black troops to throw against the USSR to attempt to crush the homeland, the fatherland of the proletariat and of the oppressed peoples. Black people must struggle against the next war. Black working men and women, join the struggle against imperialist war. Black working men and women, join the strike struggles of the workers. Black working men and women in the colonies, organize against imperialist war. Black troops, fraternize with the workers, do not go against the workers. Young black soldiers in the barracks and reserve officers training corps and in the army, demonstrate against war. Black soldiers, organize, gain contact with black workers in the factories, expose petty bourgeois black politicians. Black soldiers, refuse to police the world for the imperialists. Black constabularies, refuse to go against your brothers for the imperialists. Black ex-servicemen, organize and demonstrate against imperialist war. Black workers and peasants, struggle against propaganda which creates pacifist illusions amongst the toilers. Black workers, peasants and soldiers, turn the imperialist war into a civil war against your oppressors. Black soldiers, in the event of war, fraternize with the soldiers of the opposing armies. Down with race war, long live the class war. Black workers, peasants and soldiers, defend the Soviet Union against imperialism. Only hand in hand with the international revolutionary proletariat in its fight against imperialism and capitalism can the black worker and peasant attain their freedom from political, economic, and racial oppression. International Character Struggle Against Imperialism The black toilers are learning that their struggle for liberation and freedom has an international aspect and that it is bound up with the struggle of the workers and oppressed peoples of all lands. We have already pointed out how imperialism is penetrating Africa and bringing black people more and more within the clutches of their exploitation. We have pointed out the large investments that are being made in Africa, which are increasing as investments are threatened and weakened in India and China. The exploitation of the black people becomes one of the main links of imperialism. But the black people's struggle for freedom cannot be fought upon the basis of race or nationalism solely. This also is true of the working class in the various countries and demands the strictest understanding and attention of both. The struggle is international, involving the unity of the black peoples with the exploited and oppressed of all countries. Black people must begin to break down all policies and tendencies that isolate them and isolate the workers and oppressed peoples of other countries from their struggles. 
This is of great significance since race war slogans and racial issues are being raised to obscure the real struggle against imperialism. R. Palm Dutt, in his book Modern India, points this out very clearly by the following statement. European bourgeois writers have begun to speak with their usual foolishness of the revolt of Asia and Africa and supposed menaces to white civilization. This is of course nonsense, equally as much as the attacks these same writers make on the rise of the working class in their own countries. In either case, what is taking place is no mysterious menace or conspiracy, but a very simple process of millions of human beings endeavoring to free themselves from the existing subjection, a subjection that these same bourgeois writers would protest against very vociferously if placed under it themselves. The white civilization of which these writers speak does not mean the existence and livelihood of millions of workers and peasants in Europe who have their own problems to face, but means simply a certain system of subjection and exploitation established by force in Asia and Africa and established also over the workers and peasants of capitalist Europe. Besides, the American press is writing about the Red Peril, characterizing the Soviet Union as an enemy of white races and as leading the brown, black, and yellow peoples into struggle against white supremacy and the white civilization. But what these imperialists really fear is the class war. Down with race war. We must join the class war in which the liberation of black people will go hand in hand with the world movement of the working class and oppressed people against imperialism and capitalism. At the same time, the international working class must come to the full realization that its struggle is intimately bound up with the liberation movements of the black people, that they cannot successfully struggle against imperialism when imperialism is extending exploitation amongst the black peoples. We have already pointed out how certain sections of the working class follow a policy of chauvinism and even cooperate with the imperialists in the exploitation of black people. We have seen what the Labour Party of England in 1924 did regarding the colonies. We have already seen the passing of the recent colonial development bill for Africa by the Labour Party, which has as its aim the extending of imperialist exploitation primarily amongst the colonies of Africa. Black toilers are beginning more and more to enter the international struggle into the labor movement, which has a revolutionary program against imperialism. We will join in international unity. Finally, the black toiling masses must realize that their struggle against chauvinism, against all discrimination, whether carried on by the imperialists or by social reformists, by backward elements in the labor movement, can only be overcome by their bringing their organized force into the struggle. We must have power that is represented by organization. The sooner we have power, the sooner we will be respected in all quarters. We must realize that our cry for equality, etc., will only be heard when we are organized. I beg my people in all lands and climes to organize their forces for a unified and combined struggle for liberation for the overthrow of imperialism. Thank you for listening to this reading from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Join us on Discord and visit peopleschool.org to sign up for free classes.